0: Today, we discuss computer based control systems, and that means that we start with the the basics for for that before we can go to real design. First of all, the role of computers and control systems in the history and now, different configurations. Then, we have to pay attention to the uh, sampling properties because it's not continuous time anymore, so we have to. Discretize the signals. Uh, we have to work when we talk about control systems. Always in real time, we have to do conversion we, from analog to digital and back from digital to analog. Zero-order holds uh, play a role there. Well, that involves some uh, some mathematics. And in the ideal case, we can say that we have impulse sampling. That means that we can do sampling in infinitely short time time interval, so the sampling doesn't take time, at least in the mathematical sense. There are also limitations, especially the Nyquist frequency, which follows from the theorem of Shannon. We treat the Z-transform, which is a way of describing uh, discrete-time systems like the uh, Laplace domain in uh, continuous time. And then we see how we can go from the uh, continuous-time domain to uh, the discrete-time domain and sometimes vice versa. First of all, why do we use computers? Well, nowadays this is uh, almost no question anymore because they are anywhere. And that's because there are lots of advantages. It's general purpose hardware, so you can use one device for many different purposes. You can reprogram them so that it gives you a lot of flexibility, which of course is also a risk that if you can change things, that not everything is ready when it should be ready. You can easily add more functionality without uh, adding more expensive uh, additional hardware. but There are also disadvantages. Uh, you have to work with uh, sample data. If you use sample data in a real-time control system, you have a uh, higher risk on st- instability than you have uh, with a continuous-time system. And sampling introduces high frequencies in the control signal, which is not always uh, very pleasant in a continuous-time process because that gives high-frequency disturbances. We can consider different uh, configurations. So here we have a closed-loop feedback system with a plant and a controller. This is a basic feedback control system. And in the beginning, computers were mainly used for data logging. That means that you connect the computer to your feedback control system. The computer doesn't influence the process at all. It was just used for data logging for, for... well, even not with screens, but for, for printing data on a line printer to lock the behavior of the process. The computer was just an add-on. Uh, you can go a little bit further and say, well, I use my computer for getting information about the system. I inform the computer about, the, uh, for instance, the, the environmental conditions, uh, some, some circumstances which may help to generate proper set points for the process. So instead of having manual set points, you can have the computer determine the set points. This is a little bit more risky, but there is not really a computer in the feedback system. If the computer fails, which was always the fear in the beginning, if the computer fails, then this control system just works as it did before. The only thing that happens is that the operator has to adjust the set points manually then. Well, of course, what we talk about in this course is what we called direct digital control, the computer is really in the loop, so the uh, control system could be uh, still a feedback control system, but it can also happen that the computer is just performing the feedback, so the output signals are going to the computer, and the computer really sends the signals to the actuator in the control system. This clarifies a little bit why we were so angry in the beginning about uh, com- computers. They were very expensive. Uh, this is the computer I did my, uh, my master thesis on. Yeah. There were big uh, big boxes with memory. Well, this, this red part just contained 64 ki- kilobytes of memory. Yeah. Uh, the input-output was with paper tape and with uh, so-called deck tapes, uh, magnetic tapes. Okay. You had to boot from paper tape. But the computer still had, already had AD and DA converters, and I, I did real-time control with this computer. Well, the uh, the, the price of the computer was about uh, half a million euros, and it had much less capacity than a PC of nowadays. The process is always analog, mostly it's, uh, always, mostly it. The process is a continuous time process, so uh, the behavior is uh, is analog continuous time. The computer works with data. That means that uh, the data are measured from the uh, continuous time process. Computations always take some time, which gives a a delay, and as long as the delay is very small compared with the, uh, the time constants in the process, you have no problems. If they are in the same order of magnitude, you really have to be careful. Then after the computations, the data are sent back to the outside world and made continuous time again. The computer is digital. That also means that you have uh, limited accuracy, so you always use with numbers with a limited accuracy. So the continuous time electrical signals are converted to, to numbers with a, also an amplitude discretization. So we have discretization in time, we have discretization in amplitude. When we consider the outside world from inside a computer, the whole world is digital and the computer doesn't know anything about the continuous time world because it sees the world through the AD converters, sends back through the DA converters, so the real world is a a discrete digital world. And that requires other process descriptions. and also design methods that uh, that take the digital nature into account. We, we can use our uh, continuous-time design methods and do a discretization, but we can, of course, take the, the digital character of the outside world into account from the beginning and make algorithms which basically work only in, in discrete time. In many cases, you can come to better solutions then. The computer should react uh, Fast enough, in, uh, if you want real-time behavior, so it, it can't be that if you, uh, you have a very fast process, you take uh, many seconds for doing a computation because then the delay, the, the dead time becomes dominant mm-hmm. and you are controlling another process than the process you want to control. But fast enough is not enough. If you go to a bank and get your money, you, you push the, the, the buttons and you observe no delay because the computer is fast. But if the real delay is uh, is one microsecond or hundred microseconds, doesn't matter so much for real-time control systems. At least if you want to make a proper description and want to be on the safe side, all the things have to be ready exactly on time. So it's better to have a fixed delay of uh, say uh, hundred, two hundred microseconds than having a variable delay of fifty to two hundred and fifty. E- even if hundred fifty is faster than two hundred. A variable delay causes variable gains, in fact, in your controller, which is something you probably don't want. So the automatic teller machine, where you get your your money from the bank, is soft real-time. The hard real-time we require for computers is that all actions take place at accurately fixed time intervals. So both are called real-time, but when we talk about real-time in a control engineering context, we always talk about hard real-time. So time to consider things a little bit more mathematically. So here we have a computer, and the computer is always separated from the continuous time world by switches, and we assume that the input and output switches close simultaneously at exactly fixed accurate time intervals t. And then they close for an infinitely short time, um, and that gives just one observation of the amplitude of the uh, the analog signal in, in uh, the input, and it sends for an infinitely short time a pulse to the outside world. So we have to, we need something here to make this pulse a continuous time signal again. This is the discreti- discretization in time. And because of the limited accuracy in the computer, and especially in the conversion process, because that's mostly the limiting factor in a computer, you can use uh, integers, but you can use real and and double precision, so you have much more accuracy inside uh, most computers. Not in the very simple ones, because they sometimes still work with integers. If you have small microprocessors, Mm -hmm. they, uh, they they still require integer computing which involves a lot of uh, scaling things, which we had in the old analog computers in a similar way. But the, uh, the conversion process introduces most of the limited accuracy, so that introduces the discretization and amplitude, and that's typically 8 to 12 or 14, sometimes uh, you have a very accurate 16-bits AD and DA converters. Mostly the AD converter has a higher co- accuracy than the DA converter. So if we have a continuous time signal, the first thing we do is uh, sample the system on discrete time intervals, and in these discrete time intervals, we discretize the system to fixed amplitudes. Mm. So you see that we make uh, make errors there if the uh, the number of levels is not high enough. So of course you can connect these. Uh, these dots and make a kind of uh, a block-type signal, but in reality, th- these are only pulses. Mm-hmm. So in the computer, we know the last value in during this time interval. So, again, the analog continuous time signal is sampled with 8 to 12-bit accuracy and gives you a sampled and discretized signal within the computer. At the other end, again, with 8 to 12-bit accuracy, we send out the data on fixed sample sampling intervals, and then we add a zero-order hold, which means that uh, we we hold the value sent by the switch during the next sampling interval on a constant value. Okay. You can also have first-order holds or, or higher-order holds. That means that you do some interpolation. That you say, well, since the, uh, the the former sample the signal has risen, so I predict that it will keep rising. Yeah. But in Almost all cases we have a zero order hold which converts this samples these samples into a continuous time signal and here you see already that we introduce high frequency content because this is a block wave signal and instead of only the, the frequency of the sinusoidal signal all these steps introduce higher frequencies uh, higher frequency content. In a discrete system, the signals only have values at a sample instance, so that's within the computer. And a dynamic discrete system can be described by the differences, a difference equation rather than a differential equation. So we say that the next value of x, XK plus 1, depends on, well, a number or, or all former values of x and the present and all uh, former values of, uh, of u. And of course, instead of doing a prediction, we can also say that the present value of X depends upon all former values of X and U. In this case, we use the present value of X and U and all the former values to predict XK plus 1. And this is just a description of XK, which should be based, if the model is correct, on only old values. And still, we cannot look into the future. The only thing we can do is predict this, that If the model is correct and if there are no disturbances and you know the present measurements, you can predict what the next value will be. We can transform this to an algebraic equation in the sense that uh, we replace the the delay, one sample delay, by the operator Z minus 1. Uh, in fact, I probably should not have used the Z here. I could have used the Q. You see also the Q or, or Z. It's used in both cases. And in fact, there is also a difference if you if you say ddt in the continuous time. I call S. That's a trick. Mm-hmm. If you write a nice integral of the Laplace transformation, it's an exact nice mathematical formulation with certain properties. So, in fact, doing this is is just a trick. You you introduce an operator, but this z, as we will see, is also related to the Laplace operator, which is a nice integral. uh, x k minus 1 t is written as z minus 1 x z. So, then we, we, we can write transfer functions again. So if we rearrange the terms, we can just write the transfer function X set as a function of U is given by this transfer function. Well, then some more on sampling. If we have uh, a sampling process, we can introduce ideal sampling where we have the continuous time signal, the sampling. And then here we have X star T. So this is the continuous time signal. The sampling process can be described by multiplying this continuous time signal with a, a number of real pulse signals, and so this is the Dirac uh, impulse. It goes from k0 to infinity, and that means that here we only have uh, values at discrete time intervals, and that we call the signal x star t. Written in this way, you can say that this is still in the continuous time domain, but it only has values at discrete values of t because of this Dirac impulse. And if we do that uh, in the computer, we get a system like that, and we can really simulate that. So here is my continuous time input signal, this is my delta function, I I made it myself by having a, a wave generator, and then with a very short delay I just subtract the uh, the wave uh, again, I think my, oh, my signs have, and then I, I limit that on the value 1 in this case, and then we get this uh, this result, and if we zoom in. We see that, well, this is just because of the interpolation we have here, but only at these uh, discrete time intervals we have, uh, yeah. we have a value. Yeah. Well, if we look at the mathematics, we could write x star t as uh, as indicated, and then after Laplace transformation we have x star s, because it's still a continuous time signal, which can be written as uh, the value of x on the time intervals uh, k, t. And this is just a delay. This is the After Laplace transformation, this indicates this delay. And then we have the sum from k is 0 to infinity. So having this in finite sums is not, not so nice. But we can analyze this. First of all... Uh, Omega s is 2 pi over t is the sampling frequency, so that's the relation between this sampling frequency and uh, and, and t, the sampling interval. Mm -hmm. And in the case that m is an integer, we can write that the uh, x star s plus jm omega s, where we have 2p times uh, the same frequency, we see that the uh, the signals are similar then, hmm? yeah. so th- that it's going to repeat. And we have seen that already before in uh, in systems where we had uh, a delay, that there is uh, some repetition in the frequency domain. So this is the signal where we just have uh, one sample delay, and here we have the uh, the, the the repetitions. That is M. Had, that this repeats all the, all the time. And that's the same as we have seen in systems with dead time, and that has quite some consequences. So this term just introduces two pi extra phase shift, but two pi extra is a, a, again just multiplying with one. So in fact, this is a difficult way of writing one. So we could say that the uh, the, the frequency spectrum which we have for for the lowest uh, values of uh, of omega. Is the same as we have m times uh, further away. So if we look at the continuous time spectrum, and now I have a frequency spectrum here. So plotted the the amplitude x j omega, x as a function of j omega, on and here is the omega axis. Normally. Each continuous time signal has a certain bandwidth, and it's, it's always a low-pass character, so high frequencies are suppressed. Mm-hmm. So if I plot that on a linear scale, I have something like this. But what I just showed is that this spectrum is going to repeat, and that gives, uh, gives us this uh, this figure. And the only thing we are interested in is, uh, is in fact this part, because this is just every time the same, and that exactly is the cause of the higher frequencies we saw in the step uh, these steps on the sinusoidal signal yeah? so we had a sinusoidal signal after a zero order hold you see all these steps these are all these high frequencies well we, we want to get uh, get rid of that so if we want our original signal back in the continuous time domain we must apply some filtering and in order to, to get this and So, uh, I can show that also in 20SIM. In, in so, I do the FFT transform, and then I should not subtract the DC component. So, this again the, the same. So, we consider this again, and then we go to... Uh, FFT analysis. And we should not subtract this. Well, let's see what happens here if we do j- just this. Then in blue, we see the original frequency spectrum. And in red, we see the the mirror frequencies. And we see that it comes back all the time. There is some, some, some higher order terms already here, which so if you, if you go further, the accuracy decreases also in the computation, so that it doesn't really fit. But you see that all these repetitions you can clearly see here. So here we have a frequency scale, so we can change the scale. And, uh, and plot this as... Uh, I'll go back and do it once again. And we can use radians per second... And then we see that our sampling frequency is uh, 1000 radians per second. Exactly around this sampling frequency we see the repetition of these peaks. So this is a similar plot. So once again, this is the original spectrum. If we choose the sampling frequency lower... The, the mirror frequencies come closer to the, uh, the original signal, and this is the situation where we have the sampling frequency exactly two times higher than the bandwidth of the system. Yeah, so this is uh, this is the bandwidth of the system. Omaha S is a sampling frequency. It's two times higher, and then these frequency spectra uh, touch each other. So it will be much more difficult to filter uh, filter the original content uh, from here so in fact you need a a real square filter and if you try to make that it has a very bad performance because uh, that's almost impossible to do that correctly unless you can use signals in the future so if you have for instance a CD Mm. you can look into the future because if you just play the CD and take some time to uh, process the data Mm. you can use uh, Future data to 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 compute what the sound on this moment should be okay. because that's offline eh? yeah. you are not disturbed if you play a CD that you you get a sound uh, a few few fractions of a second later than in the system itself eh? okay. you don't observe that okay. you would observe if the filtering would be worse eh? yeah. but but in in a closed loop system we 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 can't wait. Eh? So this is the the border where it's theoretically possible to reconstruct the original signal that's the called the Nyquist frequency. if we uh, we sample slower, construction is not possible anymore. We see that here, then the we see that high frequency components of the uh, the, the, the second uh, spectrum mix mixes with the uh, the original spectrum, what's even worse, high frequency components which could be noise, for instance are low-frequency components in the discrete signal, and there is no way how in the computer you can get rid rid of these high frequencies because they are low frequencies now. There's no filtering in the frequency domain which can remove this this disturbance. We call this uh, aliasing. And when we uh, consider that again, here we have uh, the original signal. I I added now some uh, some high-frequency components, We sample this with, well, this looks like a nice low-frequency sinusoidal signal with some some offset. And when we compute the frequency spectrum, we really see that it's becoming a mess. So we can recognize this more or less, but, well, there's no way to get the data out of it. The same if we have a disturbance. So we go now back to a low-frequency signal and we add a high-frequency disturbance. So that's the low frequency signal. Uh, this is the uh, continuous time signal with the disturbance. This is the discrete signal. Well, it's difficult to say whether it's okay. Here we see the original signal without the disturbance. Here we see the disturbance. Mm-hmm. This is what we see after sampling. Well, nothing wrong. You can still filter out the disturbance here. Yeah. But if you, uh, you increase the... Uh, the sampling frequency, things go wrong. Hmm? So, this is the situation we are going to consider. We go to the uh, fast Fourier transform. Okay. And here we see the situation that we can still do the, uh, the separation when we increase the uh, we decrease the uh, the sampling frequency well let's say go to five hundred or so apply and redo the experiment while we first clear this okay. And we see if things are getting a little bit worse already. Here we uh, we see the the disturbance, and that uh, that that mixes with the side lobe of here. But if we go, for instance, to 250 as a sampling frequency, the delta function go to 250. So there's no way of, of separating it anymore. You see that that, that everything mixes now. Yeah. So the, the this signal is certainly within the, the bandwidth of the original signal with the disturbance. Yeah. So this was the uh, already the situation where you see that, that here you have the disturbance uh, spectrum which is in the middle here of, uh, in this case it is 50 hertz, so 300 radians per second and 20 hertz it is even worse. So. In fact, if you have this situation where we have a clear separation and still you could say we want this kind of filter. As I said, if you try to make such a filter, uh, you get in the continuous time domain all kinds of uh, sinusoidal side side effects, which you certainly do not want. So the only thing to, uh, only way to approximate such a filter is choosing uh, a bandwidth high enough and uh, also uh, a sampling interval uh, small enough. And also, you always use an anti-aliasing, low-pass filter at the input. So you first have to remove the higher frequencies from the input signal, for instance, the noise. Mm-hmm. And then you can do the, uh, the sampling and afterwards the reconstruction. And always take care that your sampling frequency is considerably higher than, uh, than the Nyquist frequency. Yeah. For instance, well, if you take a factor 10 or maybe 5, you are okay. And then this omega n max is the distance from the fastest pole to the origin, or you could say more or less the uh, the, the, the meaningful uh, frequency content of the, the input signal. Yeah. So if we make an anti-aliasing filter here, so we uh, we have a sampling interval of uh, 1500 radians per second, this is the original signal, this is the uh, disturbed signal. And this is when we apply before sampling the anti-aliasing filter. And then we see that the high frequency content has been removed here. Yeah. So if you want to filter this, and even if you take a filter with a characteristic like this, for the, uh, for the important frequencies it behaves like a filter which is just straight here. Well, in this case, if we would do it here, if, if we wouldn't have any anti-aliasing aliasing filter, we would be in big trouble eh, because these noise frequencies convert to the uh, to the lower frequencies. But with an anti-aliasing filter, this, this can be done okay. Okay, then we try to consider the filter. So we we have this uh, this pulse type signal coming out of the computer. We want to make it continuous time and simultaneously we want to filter it in such a way that we removes the, uh, the extra sidebands, eh, the, the higher frequencies. So, in fact, a zero-order hold performs that filtering function. Eh? It, it keeps the signal as a, at a constant level, but it also removes all the higher frequencies. And a zero-order hold is nothing else than an integrator. If you send such a pulse to an integrator, you have a cont- continuous-time signal, yeah. a constant signal. And if you subtract the same signal one sampling later... You have just a block of a duration of one sample, you can imagine. Okay. Well if you, uh, you you can write a simple routine in Matlab and then uh, compute the, the frequency plot of such a filter, and that's like this, uh, so that implies that you have a, a very good Suppression exactly at the sampling frequency, so that's at the peak in the next uh, the next spectrum, and again for for higher values, and that in between you you still have some, uh, some a not too good low pass character. But if this is very far away, and if the uh, the real frequency content of your system is let's say one tenth of omega s, yeah. then this is almost a straight line. Eh? Yeah. So it. Uh, it's the best thing you can do in order to approximate such a square filter. So this is, uh, this is your frequency content of the original signal. And so this signal can be uh, passed and distorted uh, through the filter. And to el- eliminate high frequencies... At the output, what what remains, there remains some high frequencies, then you have to use a low-pass filter at the output as well, if you want to smooth the signal a bit. So this is the original signal, this is the sampled signal, this is the signal after the zero-order hold, and this is when you apply some low-pass filtering, then you can smooth this signal a little bit further. So, in fact, the computer was nothing else than just a multiplication with one, so the computer did nothing, and it happens when you send something in to the computer, mm-hmm. and what you get out. Eh? This is probably what you could say what happens when with a CD, eh? yeah. you know, you make a recording, and you want to have exactly the same signal back, eh? okay. and probably with a CD you can do some better filtering so that the signal will be more smooth, but always, as you can see here, is a small delay. Eh? Okay, we go further with descriptions. So we consider now the first-order system uh, Xs over Us, which can be written in the uh, continuous time domain as uh, well. In fact, is a frequency domain description, but in the Laplace domain, Ka over s plus a. When we solve this system in the time domain, the solution of this differential equation is that Xt is the uh, e to the power minus at X0 plus this integral, this convolution integral. And for a first-order system, we can do that quite easily. And the positive point of having a zero-order hold is that u t cannot change in between the sampling intervals. The, the u t is always the same. If you have a continuous-time first-order system after a zero-order hold, during one sampling interval, u is a constant value. So this, this integral is easily to, to compute. If we do so we get this uh, solution, we can say that xk plus 1t is a to the power minus at times the initial value, which is the value at the former sampling uh, moment, multiplied with this uh, now simple convolution integral. Well, if we rewrite that uh, a little bit, we get uh, an equation like this, and w- which can be written in this way and here we recognize the solution of the first order system and then when we have written it like this we can convert it to the z description make a z transform and we can say that well z minus 1 is one sample delay so z plus to the power plus 1 is one step ahead so z x z is equ- equal to this expression plus that expression and that can be written like this. So this is a exact description of the of x at the sampling intervals. There's no no approximation here. This is completely exact. So this is an exact transformation of a continuous time system to a discrete time system with a zero order hold. That's the assumption we made in the u that the u is constant during the sampling intervals. Eh? So, in general, you could say, if we can solve xk plus 1t as a function of xt and ukt, uh, that yields an exact description in z of the continuous time system with zero-order hold, as seen by the computer. So, from the computer, we have the zero-order hold. We have an hs, and then we consider the values of hs just at the sampling intervals. So, this is what, what we just did. Well, you can do that for more complex systems as well. You describe Hs in state space form, and when a zero-order hold is used, the solution of the system is given by the same equation, but now it's a matrix equation. Instead of having a small, uh, a lowercase a, we have a, a capital A, which implies a matrix. So if we can solve this, we have a description of the system in, uh, in the Z-transform. This is a number of coupled first-order systems, and one way to determine the various matrices, you, you can do that with a simulation. Mm-hmm. That means we have a step, zero order hold, Hs, and we have the sampling. So that's exactly what we have here. Uh, if we first say, well, we just consider the, the, the memory of the system, so the, the, this part, the, the homogeneous equation, we consider the U being zero, and then in the second order case, we get these equations. And if we write that out, we say that we see that A11 is uh, x1, xk plus t, A21 is x2, k plus 1t. And then for x1, kt is 1, and xt, kt is 0. This is the other case. So this gives you some of the coefficients, and well, in fact, this gives you all the coefficients of the A matrix in this case, because here we have the the A, and when we look at uh, we make this part zero, so we say, well, we just consider there's no memory in the system. There's not the the T is zero, the state is zero. Yeah. We consider that part, and that gives you the uh, the terms of the the B vector. Okay. So if you do that, and we can. Run a demonstration. Is not the way you probably will do it, but it's just to indicate that the Z transform is nothing else than the solution of the uh, of the, the equations. Oh. okay, let's do that. So this is what we just had. And if I now look here at uh, at this moment, then here I get all my my coefficients of the discrete system in state space form. So these okay. these are the coefficients of my A matrix. That's because I just called these signals uh, the proper signals B1, B2. And well, what I d- I did inside because this seems a big trick. Eh, if you look inside. I just wrote the equations and computed uh, in in different situations uh, just a continuous time equation. But if I ask for the the values at the right moment, things uh, give me the solution. So here you see that again. You see also that even if you have a simple, uh, a simple continuous time system, that, that all the matrices are filled now. Eh? So the, the A matrix is full, there's no zeros and ones anymore. And the, the, the B is filled, so we, we have introduced extra zeros as well. Eh? Even if the continuous time system had no zeros, the discrete time system often has zeros. So another way of obtaining these equations by means of the Z-transform. And in this uh, this first course, Control Engineering, I don't go much into detail about it. The Z-transform, but the basic idea is the following, that you can say Z is equal to one sample uh, prediction, one step ahead prediction, or Z minus 1 is just one sample delay. So mostly we, we see Z minus 1, but of course you can infer that and you get this expression. Or you could say that S is one over T l and z well if you substitute this in, in your uh, Laplace uh, equations that, that gives terrible equations so in most cases uh, if you you want to use that you you use tables where you have some standard functions which can be transformed and if you do that in a clever way it's a lot of work you, you can do even you can manually convert a continuous time system into a discrete time system but we also have good uh, routines now available to do that for you uh, well, I, I said already z minus 1 is e to the power minus j omega t, and that's exactly what we had with that time. And in that time systems, we considered the primary region, and we had other regions. So for, for the root locus, we saw that stability was mainly determined by the primary region. When I convert this primary region to the z-plane, yeah, so this is the s-plane, I can also make the z-plane and then I go here from on the imaginary axis from zero to j omega s over two in the z plane, that means that we go along a unit circle from the positive real one to the negative real one, and we just go along the the border of the circle. Then we go in this primary region from to the negative uh, large re- negative real values. That's here. Then we go to the other side. Then while well, this this circle has a, a radius uh, zero, hmm? so this just that this happens in the origin, we go back and we see the other part. So the projection of the j omega axis, the, the imaginary axis here, is on the uh, on the unit circle. Yeah. That also means that if we are outside this region that we are in the right half plane in the continuous time, so outside the unit circle, poles outside the unit circle indicate an unstable system. So in the discrete time domain, stability requires that the poles of your discrete time system are within the unit circle. So as I said, the Z-transform is in fact nothing else than this, so if we want to compute this, the Z-transform, we also have to use the, uh, the zero-order hold as well. So that means that this system, this is in fact your continuous time system. Uh, if we want to make the Z-transform of this system, and for Z-transforms we always consider uh, continuous time systems separated from the uh, discrete domain by, by switches, this is the equation you have to solve. Well, for a simple simple system that can be done, so we can rewrite the uh, zero-order hold, we can rewrite this expression as hs over s, and then 1 minus z minus 1, and then we multiply with uh, with z, and that gives us this this expression. So we compute the z-transform of hs over s, multiply it with z minus 1 over z, and we have the the z-transform. In general, as I said, we do that with a table with transformations or you do it with the computer. So, for instance, in MATLAB, you have the command C to D. Uh, So, the discrete system description is the, and then we we add here zero order hold. That means that we apply a zero order hold in this transformation. You can use other ones as well. And, of course, we need a sampling time. Hmm? There are also different approximations. Uh, for instance, 20Sim uh, has uh, facilities to use euler testing and variance on that. If we consider S as the derivative operator, then we can uh, easily describe the discrete Euler transformation. And there are two forms. We have a forward form and a backward form. So if we say that dx dt can be approximated by x k plus 1t minus x k t divided by t. And there's a mm. definition of uh, dx dt when uh, t is not uh, not infinitesimal small. Eh? So if t is going to 0, it's exact. But we have an t unequal to 0, so this is an approximation. So we can write this as s xs is us. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Then we can say that x k plus 1 t minus x k t over t is u k t. Well, after some manipulations we see that the the differentiation is equal to z minus 1 over t. Or s is z minus 1 over t. And if you have a Laplace equation with s and you replace all s's by z minus 1 over t... You have applied the forward Euler approximation for a discrete system. Of course, we can do that in a different way. We can say, in this case, we said uh, xk plus 1 and xk. We can also say, well, we can only use the signals from the past. So we have xkt minus xk minus minus 1t. If we do that, we get similar equations, but we have an extra Extra delay term, eh? an extra z minus one, so it is just the same once, once sample delayed, yeah. and this gives you another formula for s. Well, Justin uh, observed that the truths may be in in the middle. Hmm? So well, this is the forward Euler approximation. Uh, this is the backward Euler approximation. I wrote this part the same, but I wrote now u k plus one t so the. And if you uh, compute the mean value, you get this uh, this expression. You can also use this in simulation uh, tools, and then it's called Adams integration method. So this has to do with differentiation, but also with integration methods. For instance, in 20sim, in 20sim we use different kinds of integration methods to compute your continuous time system in a digital computer. You don't realize that if you work with such a simulation program, but we simulated continuous-time systems, but all the time the system was discrete. Mm -hmm. And the only request for such a simulation program is that you see nothing of this discretization. So you can go to very advanced uh, integration algorithms, which cannot be applied in real time, but is an example of an integration algorithm, which is available in 20SIM and uh, can can be used. So, if we work that out, we get uh, get this expression. So, we have the relation that S is 2 over T, Z minus 1 over Z plus 1. So, here we have them all together. And also, Tustin is also called bilinear transformation. It's supposed to be one of the better transformations. And we can consider the differences. So, what I have here is a continuous time system, a first order continuous time system. And this is a discrete version of this system. And by looking at different signals, for instance, this is the... uh, I replaced the integrator here by Z-1 with a positive feedback. So this is my integrator. Mm -hmm. uh, While the coefficients have changed a bit as well. If I use the output of this system, I have uh, the Euler with the delay. So the, the the forward Euler. And if we, we add the two yeah. and take half the value, we have touched in. Yes. So this is Euler forward, Euler backward, Tustin. in. So here you see the, uh, the different uh, responses. So, in green we have the continuous time. This you see that really is in the middle of the, the purple and the blue one, the, the red one. So, none of them is completely correct, but this seems to be the best in this case. Well, we talked already about stability. Yeah. A digital control system is stable when the poles are within the unit circle. Unfortunately, because of this circle, the design in the, uh, the Z-plane is not so easy as, as it is in the uh, continuous-time domain with the, with the S-plane. Yeah. So you you can draw root loci. You, the rules are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But, for instance, the, the lines of constant damping, that's, that's a kind of uh, cycloid in... Uh, in in the Z domain, hmm? but all root locus rules remain valid, and well, let's do a simple root locus, we consider this first order system, we computed the exact transformation uh, some sheets ago, Uh, that means that we have a pole here in Z minus AE to power minus AT, which could be here, if we increase uh, the gain, put this in a feedback system, we see that the root locus moves like it did before, but that for a certain value of uh, the gain K, the system becomes unstable. And this is a first order system. In continuous time, a first order system never became unstable. And here, with a little bit too high gain, the system easily becomes unstable. If you make T small, that improves the stability because the gain becomes smaller. For, For a very small T, This term is almost zero, so you have a smaller gain. So, and if t is real zero, then nothing can happen in that sense. On the other hand, if you make t too small, you have to do a a lot of computations, so you need a much faster computer, so making t small is expensive. And on the other hand, if you do more computations than necessary, each computation, the numbers were not exact, you make numerical errors, so you can have numerical problems So, for instance, for very small t, uh, in this case already, you see what happens with very small t. You you have to subtract a number which is almost equal to 1 from 1. The significant digits in this number are much less than when uh, when t is large. eh? So, you you, you get numerical problems if t is too small. So, it's always a compromise between, uh, well, uh, being uh, close to a continuous time system or... Having numerical problems and and a very expensive computer, of course. So when we compare the the different transformations, so this is the continuous time system, the discrete, uh, the the differential equation, the difference equation, in in one of the approximations. So the most easy way to do it is to say, well, this is uh, this approximates my my integrator, Hmm? and then we have a feedback a, and just. As, the, as in the continuous time system, so this is in fact an Euler, uh, Euler approximation of this uh, this system. The zero-order hold solution is like this. We can rewrite that, and then we expand the uh, the exponent E into a first-order Taylor expansion, we get this equation, and this equation is exactly the Euler equation. So you could say that uh, a continuous time system, Z-transformed with a zero-order hold gives you a description which is exact but if you approximate that by a first order Taylor expansion it's the same as Euler. Yeah. So that also indicates that, approx- that Euler is really an approximation you, you lose the higher order terms and again with sufficiently small t the higher order terms can be disregarded. So, we notice that the sampling time t is a parameter in discrete time systems. So, in all these systems, you, you, you get this, this kind of term. So, t is always a parameter in, in your, uh, your, your system description. So, that's at least one of the reasons that t should be constant. If t is not constant, you work with a system with parameters which are con- constantly varying. Yeah. And that's the re- requirement for hard real time. <coughs> well, we compare a simple system with a, a zero and a pole, and we do that uh, with uh, Tustin, Euler, and zero order hold description, where the sampling uh, interval is uh, point 0.1 second. So this this must be exact. Eh? This is the zero order hold uh, description, and then we see that Tustin. Although the initial value is not correct, it is seven instead of, of, of ten, but it should be. Mm-hmm. Euler is exact for the first step, yeah. but then uh, the rest is nothing. The sampling interval is apparently too uh, too large yeah. for uh, giving a good description with Euler. Justin yeah. is a uh, slightly better. Okay. So we, uh, we can do two things now. We can decrease the sampling interval. And then we see that, uh, that all give uh, reasonable values. Although still here the initial value is not very good. This is, is better. We can also increase the sampling interval. Then even the zero or the HOLD uh, fails in the sense that, well, of course, with this sampling interval, the final value has been reached after one second. So th- th- this is still okay. Yeah. Uh, here you see that uh, the system is uh on, I have exchanged them here is completely unstable and this is still stable but very oscillating. Yeah. So that that's because that uh, the, the pole comes close to the unit circle. And here the pole is outside the unit circle. Here you see the unit circle and there's the pole in the minus 9 or so. So as a rule of thumb if you select uh, the sampling uh, frequency about 10 times uh, the maximum bandwidth of the system or in the case of poles and zeros uh, 10 times the, uh, the the distance of the uh, the fastest pole uh, from the origin yeah, so the fastest pole is the pole that's the has the longest distance from the origin then the then you are okay always use an Anti-alias filter with a cutoff frequency omega c, where omega c is, uh, is above the, the, the bandwidth of your system because you want to, don't want to filter the, the real frequencies in the system. And so that's a compromise again. You could say that if omega b is the bandwidth of the system, then omega c should be larger than the bandwidth of the system, but smaller than Let's say half the uh, the sampling frequency, hmm? yeah. or in other words, omega C should be much larger than omega B, mm-hmm. but smaller than five omega B, which is the, uh, the due to this relation. Yeah. Hmm? What's important in a simulation like this is that there is a difference between the sample time, uh, which is uh, related to your A/D and D/A converters, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the step size in the uh, the the computer simulation. Yeah. You need a step size in order to compute these continuous time blocks in a, in a computer. Well, in this case, you have to, to choose your uh, your step size much smaller than your sampling interval. Hmm? Yeah. So you want this to behave as a continuous time system, and here you want really to de- consider the, uh, the sampling effects. Mm-hmm. So always choose a smaller step size than uh, sampling time. So, in this case, we have chosen a sampling step size of uh, 0.01 second, and that can be constant or even variable. Yeah. If you, your algorithm supports a variable sample a step size, that's okay, and it's only determined by the numerical st- stability of the simulation. Here, we had a sample time of uh, 0.14 seconds for our discrete system, and that must be constant. And that's finally determined by the Nyquist criterion, but stay away from that as we have seen. hmm? Okay, to conclude, uh, the Z-transform describes continuous time systems as seen by the computer. Sampling introduces amplitude discretization and discrete time. And the sampling rate influences the stability of the computer-controlled systems. If you uh, choose your sampling interval too large, you certainly have stability problems. The sampling rate, on the other hand, should not be chosen too small because of uh, stability, signal reconstruction...